Here now the news for July 4th, 1995. In the wake of widespread economic collapse, officials are reporting massive general strikes. In the 1970s, there was Clockwork Orange. Then in the 1980s came Mad Max and the Road Warrior. Now comes a startling new vision that takes you into the apocalypse and beyond. Back to the old drive-in you used to know and love. Only now, when the show is over, there is no way out. Dead end drive-in. Not getting through to you, am I, son? No cabs, no buses, no transport. So, you're here, you're here, you're here. Decides what to do with you. Government, 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 government. This is your heart. You can't tell me that I don't want to get out. Yeah, but they know they can't, son. There's no future. No future. Come with me. God, Jimmy, can't you see? This is all we've got. Get out of here. And don't you try and stop me again. Get out of the way. Hey! And now. Time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Welcome to your future, like it or not. Dead end drive in. Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. What's some 40-year-old movie have to do with what's going on now? Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this idiocy? Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the... Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! 
Now, now, usually, I would torture you, my little lab monkey. But I, I can't, I can't torture myself, you when one of my favorite people is on the line with us. I like this. It puts me off the hook for a little while. I these are these are relaxing sessions for me. A man that I am I am still shocked to call my friend, the walking. Okay, the walking uh, film encyclopedia monument. Uh, if there was a Mount Rushmore in Australia for um, movie making, he would be on it. We're going to welcome him back to talk about one of his films, which is now very, very prescient and very, very 80s, Mr. Brian Trenchard-Smith. Thank you. So, pleased to be here. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we, we decided, because, of course, the world is now dissolving like an Alka-Seltzer tablet. And I was talking to Chris, and I said, you, he has never seen, never saw Dead End Drive. And I said, you probably should, because it's a little bit on, it's a little bit too close to comfort these days. Because you can see. Well, just, just for full, full, uh, full um, reality of it. Uh, I, yeah, the, 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 I'm not supposed to have watched any of the movies for this. I, I did see Dead End Drive in when I was in high school. Okay. And I liked it then. Do you Did like you, it now? I like it better now. I like it a lot better now. Yeah. Um, I've, I saw it a little di- I mean, I, I recognized it for what it was at the time. We, mm. we were, we were having a bunch of us would just go to this one. We had to drive out into the country into to someone's house, to the video rental place. And we decided we were going to watch post-apocalyptic Mad Max knockoffs. Mm-hmm. So we got a bunch of them, right. and one of the girls grabbed Dead End Drive-In, and I remember being a little disappointed at first, because I'm like, wait, there's still a government here. This isn't post-apocalypse. This is just dystopian. But, but then I got sucked into the movie and was like, this is this is way above what what I expected. But 30, 30 years later, I can apply more socioeconomic <laughs> yeah. knowledge well, this- to it and filmmaking to it you know this is something that i I find interesting in that i i I was thinking a lot of 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 the original mad max in that this isn't really a post-apocalypse film but an apocalypse film it's about things falling apart rather than what people do afterwards yes yeah and uh, action and reaction being Mm -hmm. equal and opposite and what will happen next uh, is one of the things that the, the film is intended to pose. Uh, one of the options that were available to me, well, one of the ideas that came up was that, in fact, the film that you see is really all but the last 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And Krabs is soon recaptured yeah. and sent back to uh, the drive-in and uh, somehow manages to turn people's attitude around and he becomes Moses and leads his people out through the shattered gate. Uh, uh, And um, hopefully starting a movement to change the world. So 
but uh, apart from the fact that that made it too political for the financiers, mm-hmm. um, it, it was you know it was beyond our means. I mean, we we oh. made it for about 2.3 million Australian dollars, mm-hmm. which in 1985 could buy you. Um, 35 days of shooting, uh, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the the level of art direction and stunt work that you see, mm-hmm. you know, all, 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 all you know, all those artists were underpaid. Uh, right. But, uh, but that, that I was... want to remind people that when you look at the stunts on the people actually did this. This isn't any CGI junk. People yeah. actually did all the driving and all and all the. All the fighting and everything. There were a couple of times when, you know. Well, I mean the you know uh, the big jump at the yeah. end. Yeah. There was you know three possible outcomes. Uh, uh, once he once the car hit the ground, uh, mm. the other side. Uh, applause, paralysis, or a funeral. Mm. Um, and luckily, it was applause. Um, yes. I mean, I felt pretty. Uh, confident, uh, mm-hmm. I felt 99.9% confident that Guy Norris was going to pull it off. He had mm-hmm. done all the homework. He'd spoken to a stunt coordinator friend of mine, Kerry Russell, about mm-hmm. how uh, I, how it could be done, what were the things needed to calculate, the angle of the ramp, the speed up the ramp, uh, the speed certainly hitting the bottom of the ramp uh, to be sure that you'd have enough speed to, you know, once you left the top of the ramp to continue through that uh, sign, which was rigged to detonate on impact Mm -hmm. um, and travel a sufficient distance um, uh, away from the box office and not just Mm -hmm. crunch it. Uh, um, So that was, you know, but he he did all the, the necessary calculations and um, yeah, it was a, an expensive stunt. I think mm-hmm. it, it, but yeah, it basically it added at least sixty or seventy thousand dollars to the budget. But it was the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other sort of smash and bash and rollovers, uh, mm-hmm. they're relatively easy to do. Yeah, and, but uh, but even something as simple as during the the, the main hand to hand fight after the cricket match. Yeah. I, I winced when Crab's head went through that that plate glass. Mm-hmm. I did too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. I and and it, it's quite it was quite thick toffee mm. glass. Yeah. I've been punched through glass uh, in the Man from Hong Kong, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and it was much thinner um, uh, sugar glass than uh, than than what uh, yeah Ned Manning's head went through. But mm-hmm. yeah, he was fine. It it, it just the the trick about stunt work is to make it look painful and not be painful mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's you know what we always tried for anyway mm-hmm. what, what what's funny about what you said about the Moses ending of this is sort of in the 30 years since before you know before I watched it again that's sort of how it ended in my head I always remembered it that it, it was almost uh, like the end of that Wendy O. Williams prison movie where she marshaled everybody and they and they stormed out. That's that's how I always sort of that's how I always remembered the ending of it. So I and when I watched it again, I was just like, oh, yes, now now I remember this. But my brain put together in my head that he had marshaled everybody else on his side. 
But uh, well, I mean, there could there could be many possibilities. Of course, sure. broken the barrier, and they they knew that all hell was going to break loose as a result of this. You know, a cop was you know there were dead cops. Uh, and no one's going to be particularly uh, sympathetic when that happens. Um, so uh, maybe they would all start flooding out themselves uh, and just try to get away from the, the consequences of what Krabs had done. But certainly the, the, the film was intended to end on a high note by right. having the hero escape to freedom. Uh, well, great escape. And, and I thought this, like, in a meta sense, <laughs> the... At, at, like the time period where this came out, the the symbolism of a big stunt where the where the the you know the gag of it is, it's a truck driving through a drive-in movie theater sign, crashing through at the you know the last scene of the movie, just seemed like a great like, just sort of putting a cap on the whole Australian you know genre film run you know it just sort of sums it all up. At the it has what what I love and back to where you know I sort of put together a different ending in my head. Um, the I as I was watching this movie, I realized that um, it has very little exposition in it. There's I always I had and I you know my idea in my head. Okay, the government's putting the subversives in there, which. But it's never really completely spelled out how or why they're doing. It. There's never a point where he sits down with the with with or one of the cops or the driving yeah. manager sits down and says, "Ah, you know, this is what's going on," which is usually what happens in this. And it's so yeah, much better not spelled out like that. Response from any yeah. any bureaucrat would be. I don't want to talk about that, so I'll right. quickly deflect to another subject. Were the pirates uh, at the very beginning your idea or the producer's idea? Oh no, I, I it's entirely my idea. Those titles, okay. uh, they they were never in the script, uh, and it seemed to me that the audience would need some context, okay. uh, mm -hmm. uh, and you know it would be much more satisfying. I mean, I, I'm a great believer in scene setting but let's do it in the most economical way possible. Um, mm -hmm. And those titles with those uh, you know, electronic music stabs, that uh, uh, you know, some of those titles, well, the, the Rocks Riot, of course, means yeah. probably very little to anybody who doesn't live in Sydney at that time, but mm -hmm. the annual pub crawl, there was, uh -huh. a, it's kind of, I don't know, it was like 420 day in, in America. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one, you know, in in Sydney, down in the oldest district of uh, of the city, known as the Rocks, uh, mm. dating from you know, uh, you know convict settlement uh, times, where in fact I went to the last pub in the Rocks in 1966 that still had a dirt floor, mm -hmm. because you know uh, they had six o'clock closing up until 1966. Mm. After World War One, they the temperance you know, mm -hmm. lobby was able to get pubs closed at six o'clock so that men could go home to their wives, mm -hmm. not, not rolling drunk. Well, they drink a great deal between five and six uh, and still <laughs> go home to their wives rolling drunk. But uh, anyway, that's the, yeah, the, the, the hypocrisy of repression. Uh, but uh, it, it's, um, 
people will find a way to drink one way yeah. or the other. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question about Thompson? Hmm? Peter Whitford's character, Thompson. Was he originally an inmate at that drive-in who basically was a trustee? No, he's an old cinema manager. Okay. You know, who remembered the glory days of the drive-ins, you know, cars queued around the block, people hiding in the mm-hmm. trunk of the car to get in for free. Those those were great days, he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and indeed, there were. I mean, I went to the drive-ins when I went you know, there in 66. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, you know, I remember going and, and seeing, you know, Major Dundee uh, on, on the, the Matraville drive-in screen, not knowing that, you know, basically 20 years later, I would be filming all that mayhem in the same drive-in. Uh, and uh, um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 was, it was a f- fun place. I mean, kids, you know, would go there for, you know, to get alone together mm-hmm. without the, you know, being around parents. And sometimes they'd watch the movie. Um, and But uh, I, I remember going there and getting the movie would play through uh, your, your radio. Right. Um, uh, now, a lot of people are thinking, well, drive-ins may well take a, uh, have a resurgence uh, mm-hmm. in the corona you know, era, uh, and because it's going to go on a while, you know, mm. uh, and uh, there's going to be a lull in the summer, and unfortunately, there's going to be a spike in the, in the fall and uh, yep. winter, um, and, you know, people of my age are going to have to be, you know, more careful and more sheltered possibly uh, this winter, which pisses me off because yeah. uh, um, I, you know, I am a social animal. I, mm-hmm. I hate a chat, as you know. Yes. Uh, and uh, um, so I, I really miss being able to rub shoulders with people and uh, talk on all matters, not just film. Um, I One of my earliest yeah. memories as a child is going to the, uh, sunrise Drive-In in Valley Stream with my with my folks mm-hmm. to see a double feature of Charlotte's Web and Support Your Local Gunfighter. <laughs> yes. I yeah. love, yes, yeah, Support Your Local Gunfighter. Yeah. That, uh, it has the, the best... classic line, he stuck his finger in the end of your what? <laughs> <laughs> We, we had three drive-ins within driving distance of us, two regular drive-ins and an X-rated drive-in. And some of the, and the X-rated drive-in was wonderful because to go to the beach, you had to drive by it. And when you drive back from the beach, it would be nighttime. And you could always catch about three seconds of the screen from the road. And my sister and I would be at the window and my parents were like, don't look, don't look. And I swear in my entire childhood career, I when we went by the X-rated drive-in, I only saw like the shots where the, the establishing shots of everybody in their nurses' outfits and stuff. I never got to see anything good. My friend Mike was conceived there, but the <laughs> be- best uh, double features ever were always at drive-ins. I, I remember seeing the Black Stallion as the opening one, and then Wanda Nevada, which was a Peter Fonda and yes, and, movie. Yes. Mm. and it was yeah. this bizarre kind of violent mm. weird movie you know with the g-rated with mixed with g-rated and I remember I actually was lucky enough to to my my mother's boss actually made us all go to it because the, the drive-in did an all-night b-movie mm. and I got to see uh 
Hungry Wives by George Romero and uh, the Astro Zombies by uh, what's his name? Ted Ted Michaels. Ted Michaels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michaels. And a bunch of other ones that I don't remember. It actually ran over, you know, till dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's um, they, they, they were great days. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, there's much though I appreciate the volume uh, of of entertainment available through streaming. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same no. as that enveloping cinema theater experience where you're in a darkened environment. Uh, with fellow human beings, United but clear, not texting or crunching popcorn. Yeah. Uh, but you're in this darkened environment, and your sole focus is on the source of light, the screen, uh, and you then get sucked into the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas in your living room, you know, and your ability to pause and make a cup mm-hmm. of coffee, go to the bathroom. Right. And there's a communal aspect to it yeah. too, where everybody's focused on that, and everybody's in that in the same space, ideally, you know. I love those moments when you are in the movie theater where even though you don't know the people around you, you all are unified. Yes, Yes. or sometimes not. Like my favorite movie experiences were never actually the movie, but like... I've had great ones, you know, obviously where I love the movie, but it's the audience's reaction. The, the, the things that I remember the most are when audiences went nuts for whatever reasons, like seeing um, the Rodney Dangerfield scene in, um, 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 natural born killers was one of the most amazing things. It, It made me, it was making me happy for the filmmaker because I got to see him, Everybody's laughing at Rodney Dangerfield because, hey, it's Rodney Dangerfield. He's a funny guy. And and he was being an abusive, horrible person. And the laughter started turning into more like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. And then everybody didn't know how to feel in the audience. And it was this vague, uncomfortable feeling. And I'm like, this is this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, inside every great uh, com- comedic actor, there <clears throat> is a tragedian. Uh, busting to get out and sometimes you get the most extraordinary performances from uh, yeah. otherwise broad comedy actors and take uh, Adam Sandler in mm-hmm. Uncut Gems. Uncut, I was about to also say one of my favorite musicals being you know, it's hard to believe that that, I, that me with all my grindhouse stuff is really into musicals. One of my yeah. favorite musicals is the Steve Martin uh, version of Pennies from Heaven. Pennies from Heaven. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it, it it's nice, but I have such an affection for the original TV, mm-hmm. the the original British TV version. I, I'm a, um, I'm a big Tennis Potter fan, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he 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 did do some. He wrote some extraordinary things, uh, and uh, and you know that yeah, you know, I really have great ideas that that live today. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, but no, I mean uh, streaming is good, uh, but there's nothing like that in enveloping experience and then going out into the lobby and if mm. there are people you know in the lobby who also went to the movies uh with maybe they went to another movie but hello right. what did you see what was it like what was yours like and that that good fellowship um, mm. that a movie can bring about in a community um right. is uh, you know uh, it, it, it it's it, it is good for society um, yeah but, uh, but you know, we will adapt in some way. Yeah. Um, 
production is going to be severely affected mm -hmm. and made more expensive and fewer things will get made. Um, Lots of animation, I have a feeling. <laughs> yes, well, I'm, I mean, take my novel, Alice Through the Multiverse, which, you know, everybody Still available on Amazon. <laughs> and, <laughs> Amazon and Kindle, yes. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you can go to Kindle and uh, have a nice little page turner um, uh, like for yourself. Uh, this is an unsolicited, this is an unsolicited uh, endorsement, folks. The thing <laughs> I like about the novel is that it reads like you're just sitting there, sitting there in the room with me telling a story. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I wrote it kind of like a movie in prose, mm -hmm. uh, and I tried to make it easy reading. Uh, right. And some people will get the ironic asides, and some people will not. But it is it, it, it rockets from one cliffhanger to another, and has interesting, you know, time paradox uh, situations for those that are, you know in, enjoy. So, you know, the paranormal, sci-fi, alternative <laughs> history, etc. And its conclusion suggests how maybe a, a, a better America could possibly have evolved. It didn't. But maybe yeah. we can still make it into a better America again. But it's, 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 it's not, let's say, a, a, a weighty, you know, yeah, it's 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 not a weighty philosophical tome or a diatribe. It's it's really just a um, a yeah a fun read and a, right. know, a fast paced page turner. But my I had hoped that it would attract the interest of um, a streaming company, and it right. it did get up to one of the suppliers for Apple, but mm. it didn't make the cut. Uh, oh. So my and you mentioned animation, and that's my point is. Maybe for that kind of picture that is really too expensive and too cumbersome to mm -hmm. make on the scale that is written, uh, uh, maybe uh, anime uh, with uh, a, the kind of photorealist uh, background that the new game software mm -hmm. can provide. Maybe that is the way to to tell the to tell Alice's story uh, and to continue her her, her travels uh, to other uh, you know, other historical worlds, let's say. Uh, so yeah, there will be more animation, uh, and animation will endeavour to get more and more photo real. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's some very good demonstrations on YouTube at the moment of the latest what the latest game uh, technology can do in terms of creating sets uh, that the actor can then interact with uh, on green screen. So, mm. uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're foregoing the green screen now and just putting big screens behind them and that are... Yeah, well, the, the software can cut a mat pretty yeah. much anywhere now. It, in, in my early days of CGI, uh, when I was doing Britannic, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, eye of the needle on a doomed ship. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, you know, uh, was dealing with the problem of hair and feathers mm -hmm. uh, worn, you know, that the, the, the actresses were wearing uh, in the lifeboat and on the deck. Uh, and, you know, we had to, you know, composite them into uh, green screen backgrounds, or in fact, the cameraman was using blue screen which perhaps was not the right choice um, 
it should have been more of a teal. Well, they, we were getting more of a teal quality out of the uh, the screen, and that that was not good, particularly with people wearing blue naval uniforms. But mm -hmm. right, they just had to. It just they had to work harder. But working around those stray strands of hair. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and feathers in a cap fluttering. Uh, that was difficult. Um, that was, you know, roto. That was expensive, uh, though the guys that did it were, you know, they had an all-in deal and they, they just wanted to make it the best it could possibly be, so, which was good. But uh, now the new software, that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, one of the things that, that strikes me watching dead end drive in today of course is the the racial subtext well i guess it's, you could call it yes the racial <laughs> subtext, which once again i was like mm. yeah it made a lot of people uncomfortable particularly in australia the film was pretty much hated by all the critics in australia who just saw it as you know if they damned it with faint praise they said it was mad max light Mm -hmm. uh, it, others said, oh, it's dumb, superficial, you know, nobody can act, which I you know, greatly dispute. I'll disagree with that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. No, this was just, uh, there was a period, let's say, in, the, in 1986, when Australian critics, you know, what, tended to turn on the local film industry. They'd, they'd a, a lot of Australian films had been made, and frankly, not all of them were particularly entertaining or good. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of uh, government money in these films and, and uh, through the tax scheme that was being operated so people could put their tax liability into a film investment that could turn that ta tax liability that they would have had to pay anyway in, into internationally liquid copyright. And mm. uh, that was attractive. Uh, and there, there was you know, quite attractive uh, schemes that were going that made people automatically meant people have, came out ahead, uh, mm. even if the film was, was not released. Uh, because it it, it it totally failed to uh, please the marketplace. Uh, so uh, the, the Australian critics tended to to turn on Australian films and, and particularly uh, on what was known as what became known as Ozploitation. Yes. Um, and which, you know, started in with my work in the uh, early to mid 70s and was still still continuing um, around this era. And, sort of pretty much died out by 1987, 88, um, mm -hmm. and, and that which, which, you know, coincided with the, the closure of virtually all the drive-ins and the, mm -hmm. uh, the VHS business, which had basically mm -hmm. taken the drive-in trade away uh, and, and made it available to people in their homes. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, they, that it got you know, not very good treatment in Australia, and yet in America, um, uh, it uh, w was you know, you know, lionised by a number of critics. Michael Wilmington being one, Hollywood Reporter being another, uh, and that enabled it to develop its its cult following, which happily <clears throat> has endured to today. And now, um, some of the issues 
that I was driving at with Dead End Drive-In uh, were prompted by Australian attitudes to the Vietnamese boat people. Mm-hmm. There had been quite, you know, a, a flood of boat people and after the collapse of, of South Vietnam and the mm-hmm. repressive measures uh, of uh, North Vietnam to, um, it's a re-educate uh, the, you know, uh, the non-communist population. Um, now, yeah, I think you know, Vietnam is a, you know, well, uh, a, a happily capitalist autocratic country. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, but um, they, they, you know, uh, I think people have, um, you know, the, the, they have a better system of government than certainly existed in the late 70s once the North took over. But um, so there were boat people who landed on Australian shores and there was a sense by the Australian government that, Mm-hmm. We owed Vietnam something. We added 8,000 troops to the American contingent, and mm-hmm. you know, Vietnam was wrecked by mm. this you know, stupid, unnecessary war. Uh, and uh, though I'm sure there'll be people who disagree with that, but uh, you know, I don't think it was the domino theory. I think was a completely bogus yeah. uh, excuse uh, to impose foreign troops to basically defend the. Um, uh, investments of the Chase Manhattan Bank across Asia, um, and amongst others. But uh, it, you know, it, it was a mistake, and it didn't achieve anything. Um, just like the Gulf War you know, didn't achieve anything, and uh, the invasion of Iraq didn't really achieve anything. Um, well, I suppose uh, Gulf War arguably freed Kuwait, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the, the 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 invasion of Iraq was the worst foreign policy mistake uh, I think of this century, or possibly even other centuries. Oh, you've become a silver disc again. No, you're back. I was back. This is yes. good. This is good. Um, um, anyway, so the beef, the boat people, uh, Virginia, were make sure to a fair bit of. You know, prejudice, uh, and particularly when they naturally formed, when they were given places to stay in Australia, they they formed in their own communities, and so there was kind of like a Vietnamese ghetto, you could say, mm-hmm. and, and one particular suburb, Cabramatta, was where a lot of Vietnamese went, uh, and why wouldn't they want a club together, for goodness sake, you know? Uh, right, and, well, anybody would do that, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so... Asian immigrants were resented, and that is why we had uh, we, we extrapolated from the, the basic theory that the government had that uh, the unemployed in a in a fifty percent or more unemployment uh, situation, something that hopefully we never reach here, but it is possible. <laughs> we can go into that later. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it, you know, they. Their way of dealing with with youth crime uh, was to offer, you know, another alternative uh, to being out on the streets and living by burglary uh, or, you know, or mugging. Um, If you go to the drive in, uh, you know, the the, the word spreads secretly. Uh, You get free food and and drink and drugs and you watch movies uh, and the girls are put on the pill. Uh, and you live in your cars, and it's a hell of a lot better than living out there on the, the on the streets. So um, naturally, you know, they the, the, the homeless flocked to the drive-ins, and that took a lot of the potential 
um, you know, the criminals off the streets. So that seemed to be working, but there was still you know, a problem that the few jobs, you know, they didn't want the few jobs that were going to go to Asian immigrants because of prejudice amongst right. others things. And so they started to ship them in in cattle trucks to the drive-in. Uh, that's a way to get rid of the social problem. You know, find a way where it can be corralled and quarantined and kept out of sight. Um, so it was, you know, issues like that uh, the, and its sort of anti-government stance that certainly did not make it popular, I think, with with critics who had got tired of left-leaning, you know, Australian films, perhaps. Uh, so, well, uh, and anyway, so and, and it's relevant today because... Well, um, well, I mean, you, you take. Gonna, I think it's always going to be relevant, un, or, or to some extent, unfortunately, because it deals with basic human nature. But like when I first saw it, I, I knew nothing about, say, Australian politics at that time, and like I, like, actually, you just filled in a lot of what I was going to ask about Australian politics at the time. But I, I know when I first saw it and when I just watched it again, it really, it, and maybe this was why in America it, it took on a little better. It really has the feel of that Reagan Thatcher era of America. And it, which was almost more of a socioeconomic tension rather than a racial tension, but like we're America. So there's racial tension all the time. So we can quickly identify with that. But the whole thing very much felt like, um, well, you know, I mean, during during that time we were having, you know, large home, homeless camps and, and stuff like that. And we were defunding, you know, uh, all, all sorts of social programs that were putting mentally ill people on the street and stuff during that era. So uh, a, a refugee camp and a, dri- and a drive-in in America... I mean, symbolically, just like keeping all the miscreants in and 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 having them look at it. And there's a running theme in the movie I've noticed with his girlfriend, which is something I've noticed in real life with myself and people. When when there's a screen playing something within your eye shot, like you'll turn your head towards it and look at it. And she, you know, they're they're talking and walking, and she's constantly stopping, and Looking, something yeah. happens on the screen, and she's watching it. They have sex is immediately after they have sex. She's, you know, well, she's she's fascinated with the movie again. And yeah, that's well, very American. There's something magnetic about a screen. It does yeah. you know, lure your eye. Uh, and I, 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 I am, yeah, constantly. <laughs> if I see a screen, I look at it. I, I, I knew a girl, her life mission was just grabbing people by the chin and turning their heads away from TVs. Oh, <laughs> Wherever oh. she was, she would just be like, look at me, not the TV. Look at me. Interesting foreplay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, considering the the films that are shown in the Dead End Drive-In, most of them are yours except for Snapshot, which here in America was known as the day after Halloween. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an arrangement with Tony Ganane, um, uh, for whom I have made films and uh, was a friend. And uh, yeah, hundred dollars each mm-hmm. uh, for for yeah uh, for each film that I used that was you know not 
under my control. The man from Hong Kong, for instance, I yeah, didn't pay myself a hundred dollars. But uh, um, so I wanted the big fire stunt from snapshot because yeah, it was an, another piece of Grant Page's work, and uh, it, that uh, it, the. the Interior fire stunts, you know, done in a close enclosed space, they're you know they're a bit more dangerous than uh, in the outdoors. Uh, mm-hmm. Fumes can build up and they uh, very quickly. Uh, so <clears throat> it was so it was quite a stunt for him to pull off. Uh, mm-hmm. I made the deal for him to do this, you know, as I was his manager for five right. years, um, and. Uh, um, so I, you know, just thought, yeah, it'd be nice to have that remarkable stunt. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, I already, you know, highlighted his stunts from, um, Mad Dog Morgan in Stunt mm-hmm. Rock, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of seven years before. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting listening to the both of you, uh, of, you know, how, you know, how relevant, the, uh, and, and how many flavors and nuances, uh, you know, uh, you know, work for you, and how relevant it is still today in its sort of social message. Uh, and it, 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 some people criticized it for being socially critical of its target audience uh, mm-hmm. at the time, and I suppose in a way it was. It suggested that you know, youth is, let's say, intellectually lazy, mm-hmm. uh, and will settle for yeah. you know the easy fix the cultural easy fix the, the junk culture junk food uh junk values uh but you know well, our, you know, our hero is made of better stuff yeah when we see this nowadays which is one of the reasons why carmen's arc particularly gave me some chills here which is that there are people who just they will get along no matter how as long as they're taken care of Hmm. And I think what happens is Carmen goes in for the group groupthink, and yeah. even though he's she's got crabs in, in her ear saying this is not right, she's like, yeah, but we're being we're being taken care of, and yeah. yeah. Well, it, this is all we've got. Is yeah, what she says. She says yes. And that that summarizes it because a certain strata of society. That is all you're fucking well going to get. Mm-hmm. You better like it. And you know, people get kicked around enough, then maybe they they realize, well, what can we do? I mean, take the population of Russia, for instance, and yeah. most particularly North Korea. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can beat a population into submission mm-hmm. to a degree. Eventually, your your grip will fail. Eventually, the level of anger will rise to such a point that society or the society you seek to control will break down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, well, you know, maybe you uh, um, you meet the fate of Gaddafi uh, or Saddam Hussein or whatever. But, of course, that was <laughs> that yeah. was not an internal. Um, All right. They, they, both, both of those. You know, were as a result of uh, foreign intervention, but mm-hmm. uh, eventually the fate of dictators uh, who overstep. Uh, Mussolini is a good example. Um, who most, you know, Trump most resembles. Um, 
uh, you know, eventually the, the people say enough and yeah. the, the security apparatus fails. They, they um, very, very rarely don't come to a bad end. I mean, they usually come no. to like there's sometimes you get an Idi Amin or a Pol Pot that just sort of yeah. gets deposed and gets to live their life out. But usually <clears throat> I've always I, I, I've always just figured, you know, from what I learned from World War Two is, you know, basically fascist governments are there for the people who form the fascist government to live high on the hog for as long as they can until, you know, they get torn down. It's sort of a nihilistic, you know, yeah. we're going to just take our power and, and ride it out and, and, uh, yeah. with anything after it. Well, that, certain... that never ends well, you know, <laughs> no, People, no well, the rest of I the mean, world does not want to go along with that. So, it, yeah. Well, I, I don't want to see revolution break out because an awful lot of people die in revolutions. Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, so, but I do think we're at a tipping point here in America where mm -hmm. these, you know, the, the profound inequalities, uh, economic and social, uh, are have really come to the fore, uh, highlighted by this, this the latest lynching, uh, yeah. and, uh, um, which you know has made people you know wake up. I mean, the defense will say, "I'm just following my training." You know, yeah. Uh, now, uh, therefore, the training needs to be changed. Uh, police have to be more social workers and less. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. armed response SWAT team. Uh, right. Well, and also, I, I think, I think so. I think, I think like actually a lot of the things that police, uh, instead of training the police to be social workers, they should just use social workers for a, a lot of it too. Well, you know? I mean, I That's think it. they should I mean, also be uh, a much more stringent uh, screening process for new cadets. Oh, for sure. Because well, there are people, there are people in the, the police department who are there for the right reasons and God bless them. But there are also people who are in the police department who are monsters who look at this as an opportunity to behave like a monster and be officially sanctioned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, I mean, there are people, the reasons that some people want to become soldiers and, mm. yeah, uh, you know, they actually, you know, want the thrill of combat. Uh, and it, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, I know some policemen, uh, and they're all good people, uh, and they do a good job. Um, and I want to point out, in this rural area, uh, even though I, I know, I, you know a lot of people are Republicans, uh, but they're all, you know, we all get along very well. Uh, we, 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 we can enjoy a drink together. Um, we can talk about our political differences in a non-rancorous way. Uh, I get much less and less defense of Trump <laughs> from anyone who was a supporter. Uh, but, um, but, you know, luckily my immediate neighbors are just wonderful people of a, you know, a, a progressive persuasion. Um, and, you know, they're, they're salt of the earth, you know, farmers uh, who, you know, have to live, you know, they have to work the land and the, that, that's a, you know, a, you know, a very, you know, that that's a that's a lot of work, let's say. It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, so I really I, 
I like the people up here, and uh, you know the, uh, the militias. You know, they're they're just a, a, a fragmentary part of a fringe, and uh, uh, but you know they they have anger management issues, and that's really what they're venting. Uh, so and, do uh, I, but I don't go around <laughs> shoving yes, all but, people to the ground. But but, but you. You, know, you understand your situation and your condition and you take care of it. They see it, they, they excuse their anger mm. by believing it's part of their messianic mission to mm. stamp out liberalism. Uh, I mean, my wife spoke against uh, a particular group who were trying to introduce a, 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 a city ordinance that would... Uh, allow sheriffs to disobey orders if uh, there was an order to take people's guns away. Well, I mean, that was just a sort of, uh, it was, it, it, there's it's no, there for optics. Not it's not based on any reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, of course, is the, the uncomfortable feeling I have that so many of these people who are, carry their guns proudly in public, aren't doing self-freedom, but they're looking for an excuse to actually fire them. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there was a demonstration in the little 13,000 population town eight miles away, where basically the the youth of the town came out in support of Black Lives Matter. On the, and, mm-hmm. and in the, the latest demonstrations, they had their own demonstration. Um, members of the militia group came out and watched from the sidelines it's open carry here, so they they brought their AKs and their AR-15s, and they just stood around in the background. Now, I would think that several of their children were probably marching. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, they weren't threatening the crowd. They were just there <laughs> to say, okay, if there is any trouble, we have our guns. Right. That's, that's the important thing. You've got to understand that you need people with guns because they'll take care of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no trouble. Um, right. So that was good. But there, there is, yeah, there's trouble in Portland. You know, there are, there are, you know, violent anger management, uh, afflicted, uh, left wing protesters, mm-hmm. uh, just as mm-hmm. there are right wing protesters. There are obviously there are, you know, agent provocateurs from the right, from, you know, Patriot Boys or Mag, mm-hmm. you know, yep. one of that spectrum of MAGA people. Uh, that do, you know, that want to smash shop windows and look like a left-wing agitator uh, and run off and and hope that the left will be blamed. And Mm. no doubt there are some left-wing agitators who think that all capitalism should be destroyed and we should burn down society and rebuild it purely from the grassroots up. And, and, you know, sorry for your delusional bullshit, uh, but that's simply not very good for people. Um, and we, we, we need a system. We, we have to have a system uh, and we have to have laws and people have to obey laws. Uh, but you don't need to send four armed cops to arrest someone for possibly passing a $10 forged bill. Uh, yeah. You maybe just uh, hit him with a summons. And I yeah. say, hit oh, right. Him, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and say report to court. And if you don't report to court, well, then we will have to send somebody for you. But maybe we'll send someone with a with a net 
school. <laughs> right, maybe, right. Yeah. Well, you have a problem, and we want to help you with your problem. Right. Uh, passing the $10 forged bill is actually a problem that, that we want to help you with, as opposed right. to we want to punish you uh, for... Mm -hmm. You know, disobeying the rules that the system has set, right. and, and and you know, I, I'm I'm totally against forged ten dollar bills. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. In a normal world, they would have said like, oh, okay, you just passed a a bad bill in that store. Where did you do you, rem well, do you remember where you got it or something I mean, like that? that you know, the first thing. You know, you know that's that that's usually happened. what I would think they would do in a situation like that. Try to track it down like the crime that forgery is, yeah. but. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's not. There was, that's... Yeah, there was this this built-in assumption. He's black. He is impaired in some way. It, 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 that that's evident from his apparent behavior, and certainly the autopsy revealed that there were, you know, there's fentanyl somewhere in there, and you know, uh, but that's no reason he had to die, yeah. uh, and that's no reason really that he had to be handled roughly because he did not resist violently. He just resisted. He just resisted authority, right. and authority does not like to be resisted. Mm. And it's and we have to, you know, we have to re-educate um, our enforcement class uh, so that they enforce in a humane and socially responsible way. Um, and, you know, it, try to look at people sympathetically uh, and understand why they've done what they've done. And uh, obviously, but, we, yeah. we, we have violent criminals. They have to be dealt with, if necessary, violently. But there was absolutely no reason to, you know, he, he did not do anything that, that, uh, that endangered yeah. the cops. And that, yeah. that's, you know, he, he endangered their pride. Uh, we yeah and we had resisting their authority yeah and the, and you know i mean i think we just got to the point of, i mean every new video that came out people would say oh well this this is going to be the the turning point but that one was probably one of the most you know i i remember waking up in the morning and seeing it and it ruined my whole day but it was so obviously like every element of it was just worked against any narrative that this guy deserved it just by just by seeing it. You know, there was yeah. there's really no way it, there was a little bit of way to say, oh, he was fighting or whatever. But that got knocked out when they got the video, you know, the surveillance footage. Yeah, of we have it. yet to see the body cam. The yeah, body cam it, may indicate some, you know, small Tensing around and yeah, his body position, which could yeah. have been regarded as uh, as resisting. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, it's uh, it, we need a cultural change uh, as to how we deal with um, you know, let's say aberrations within you know social behavior, and the use of force really needs to be the last resort. Yeah, um, it yeah. Uh, it's never worked. <laughs> yeah. it's never, never worked. We need to give our police departments more tools for their toolbox so they don't have to resort to to a gun. Yeah. Or less jobs, you know, yeah, a, a more focused, a more focused job. Yeah, but they should be somebody's robbing a store or you need somebody you need somebody 
who's a physical representation of the law and the 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 society basically right but there's there's a lot of things and you know this has been 40 years of defunding and you know i mean the cops are rich in their equipment because they're getting leftover um wartime stuff that we're giving to them but their budgets although they're high they've been getting cut and they've been cutting budgets of the other stuff and throwing it on the cops to do. So now the cops have to deal with somebody who's mentally ill just on the or, or a kid in a school, say, just on the idea of, OK, what's the law here? This mentally ill person's breaking the law by standing in the middle of the street. Can't take him away instead of being like, can we get this guy in a home and get help and all that? They, they can only deal with it on. It's the it's the having a hammer in your is your only tool and everything yeah. is a nail. Well, let's just get back to the movie. Part, <laughs> hey. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking That's of your okay. listenership and you know, maybe they, they wanted to talk more about film and less about politics, yes. but it is a political film. Uh, I can I can, cross, I can cross those streams right now. I think there I think these have invented this is my derailer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I think we've got a whole new genre. I mean, of of when I was watching the Minnesota riots, I, I came home from work and and uh, I was on Facebook and somebody had posted up a live stream and uh, and I'll often go when stuff happens and find a live stream so I can watch it from somebody there on the ground and see what's happening. But in Minnesota, it was so incredibly dramatic and crazy. And I would uh, I was watching the first person I watched was kind of right wing in their opinion and were walking around and commenting on things. And I started uh, he was going in a direction where I wanted to see something in another way. And another person walked by. They start talking and the guy's like, well, I'm streaming. My name is this. So I just switched over to his stream and he walked over to the police station and he's like, and I'm watching people batter down the door. And then I start finding other streams and I was it was like watching a movie, watching a found footage movie. But at the same time, I was paging through different perspectives constantly. People there was one point where two people were talking. I switched the switched to the other person's live stream and saw the person that the face of the person whose voice I'd been hearing narrating and then. I, I chose my direction and like uh, like an interactive video game or something. And then I was but it was reality. And I, I was virtually making my way through Minnesota, through the different areas of the riots. And and, you know, I, I found one guy who walked, you know, when the when they breached the police station, he walked in with his camera and filming people running around and emptying out. <laughs> emptying out file cabinets into bags and running around with police. Um, and I was like, am I, there were points where I was in fear for the person's life who was, who was running the camera. The kid who was a right wing commentator was talking very loudly about, uh, you know, his disdain for somebody stepping on a flag and stuff like that. And I could type into his text and say, Hey, kid he, you know he's like a 16 year old kid i'm like yeah you might not want to talk about stuff while you're filming you know you could get right. you know this is a dangerous situation i don't agree with you i don't want to see you get attacked and 
Mm. And I could see his girlfriend reading it and and telling him, hey, you know, ixnay on the editorial A. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, and, very uh, sensible. Well, good for you. You. But it was you amazing to learn and, uh, and and go on to live a good life. Well, I was scared. I was scared for him, and it was like it was like watching one of those found footage monster movies where yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. don't go in there, don't go in there, or you're going like these people are these people are in over their head. But it was real, yeah. and yeah. and I was like, am I witnessing a new genre in visual entertainment right now? Where yeah, no, that that's very interesting, and you are interacting with it. He was in the middle of basically mob hysteria. Uh, Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was such, it's, it's like a feeding frenzy of sharks, you know, that the, the, they broken into, you know, the, you know, the fortress of oppression and they had the opportunity to wreck it. Um, mm-hmm. I actually thought that night um, that the fact that the, the police basically abandoned the police station and allowed it to be burned, I thought, well, maybe that is a strategic move. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that will give the protesters some feeling, you know, oh, of satisfaction yeah. that they have that they've punched back, and then everyone can calm down, and uh, we can start really att- trying to address the you know systemic issues that are at the root of the problem. Um, but you know, I, I was naive, perhaps that uh, um, yeah. it, it just led to more. No. Um, I, but you know, at the same time, you, you've had really organized gangs targeting uh, you know, districts, shopping districts in yeah. New York, uh, where you know, a couple of hundred people seem to be able to assemble and do that. Uh, and their sole purpose was robbery. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, breaking. You know, breaking yeah. some windows of the capitalist power structure, uh, but let's take the goods too. There's, uh, I, I always look at it. There's, there's protests and there's riots, and yeah. a protest is organized. A riot is, is like a hurricane. It, yeah. the, you have to have the right conditions, and when it happens, you can't control where it goes. You know, as much as you like, people would be like, let's only burn the worst, yeah. egregious companies and let's make sure that everybody's out of the building before we do it and stuff like that but you can't fight against once it gets to a mob i mean a, a riot is society failing at it at being society and once that happens yeah. it attracts every element just is that that's why you have society to keep people from <laughs> burning yeah. down burning down the stores and taking everything so when it when it happens you've sort of failed at that and you sort of have to sort of step back and hopefully hopefully find the tweak the conditions that did it again but yeah that yeah well i mean but you know we we have to have a kinder gentler uh, government uh, you know if the president wants a photo op holding a bible upside down uh uh, outside a church that he never goes to, um, you know, perhaps he shouldn't tear, gra- tear gas and pepper spray and mm-hmm. rubber bullet the the crowd to get them mm-hmm. out of the way so he can have a clear path for his photo op. Um, and, well, that's uh, a good. It seems to be backfiring. It seems to be all the authoritarian stuff doesn't seem to be. I mean, in polls, 55% of the people were 
were okay with the police station being burned down, and and I never would have expected to no. hear that. Well, in, no, I, in I, I, I'm not in favor of it. I merely thought that we'll perhaps yeah. that'll be enough. Uh, yeah. But you know, I have a great deal of sympathy for the police, but um, but I you know have you know not not being a person of color have not been you know lived my my life uh, uh, with you know a kind of a look over my shoulder whenever I go right. out. Uh, and uh, I mean, I posted a, something on Facebook which hasn't got a great deal of traction and has actually attracted some some you know film buffs who merely you know find uh, it, the origin of the picture uh, you know, more interesting than than the point I made. But I posted a picture that was taken in Tippi Hedren's kitchen. The actress from The Birds, Hitchcock's oh, yes. you know, victim, uh, uh, and uh, she, as you know, uh, Raw was her last sort of film, of, um, and it took many years to make. And, and during the making of it, I met her actually, um, and because she was seeking additional funds from right. the person that was financing Stunt Rock, but he didn't come to the party. But I saw a 50-minute assembly of the film and went to Chinese dinner with her and her then-husband and learned all about her life with the lions. Anyway, the the photo, which was printed in the Daily Mirror in England, amongst other pictures, was of the various lions uh, you know, sleeping beside Melanie Griffith, her daughter, etc. But there was one picture of her maid in a white maid's uniform stepping over a sleeping lion as she had just taken over taken out a bottle or something from the fridge right. and in order to you know do take the bottle wherever he, she needed to take it she had to step over this large sleeping lion and to me that seemed to symbolize what uh, you know the, the relationship between you know, African-Americans in law enforcement. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and anyway, I, I tried to make that point and I don't know whether it, uh, <laughs> whether it resonated or not. Uh, but well, it, we don't it, want to keep you uh, much long because I know you, you said that you were- I, I got to go soon, yeah. A little bit pressed for time. So first off, uh, I want to give you a hypothetical that we came up with two episodes ago. Um, the idea is I, I, I give you $500,000. You can do whatever you want with it. It has to be 52 minutes long. What would you do? Hmm. 52 minutes long. Yes. Hmm. $500,000. Well, I made a 48-minute long film, my very first independent production, The Stuntmen, for hmm. $16,000. Uh my, what could I do uh, with uh, remaking it for five hundred thousand dollars? So I'd have to come up with the most amazing stunts that would. It be might be that about the same budget actually when you <laughs> for inflation. inflation. For inflation, <laughs> yeah. yes. Have you seen the stuntmen? I have not. Ah, well, uh, hmm. I think it is on the Arrow uh, of Hong Kong. Ray. Of uh, dead end drive-in. Oh, okay. Um, uh, anyway, it uh, it may well turn up on the Alamo Draft House uh, Ozploitation collection uh, uh, for download or rent. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so, but it's not there yet. They put up Man from Hong Kong and Frog Dreaming, uh, and uh, I think and and, and uh, uh, Turkey Shoot, and anyway, there's all my sort of you know early guilty pleasures. Let's say uh, will probably end up there at some point. Um, but uh, anyway, you were saying. Well, um, we want to once again encourage people, if they have not already done so, to pick up Brian's book, Alice Through the Multiverse, which is available on Amazon and both in Dead Tree form and Kindle form. And to keep an eye out for Brian's new book, which is coming, and trust you, trust us, we'll let you know, um, which is called Adventures in the B-Movie Trade, was it? Adventures in the B-movie trade, you know, okay. uh, yes, I, um, I've been very fortunate to have got, you know, to follow my dream for, you know, 60 years, um, really, uh, and uh, so um, that's great. Um, I made my first eight millimeter film at 15, uh, and, uh, and I got you know, my first paycheck uh, for a film company in, at 18. And I've really not stopped working since until I moved to Oregon, where, um, yeah, I, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I, well, ageism being what it is in this, this business, I, I would, uh, I guess my day is done, but you never know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> I am still surprised and proud to call you my friend, Brian. Well, thank you, Thomas. And, uh, and um, Obviously, we talked before we started recording that we're going to do this every year now. And definitely the second Adventures in the B-Movie Tray comes out, we'll have you back on again to talk. Phil, yeah. Filmmaker memoirs are my favorite books of, of all time. And the yeah. lower the budget, the films, the, the better, the more entertaining the books are. Do you Are you aware of this book? I am not aware of that book, but I'm going to have to get a copy of that book. It is by the great unsung director, William Whitney, uh, who Tarantino is a big fan of. And mm -hmm. he made all those Republic serials uh, and he did 25 Roy wow. Rogers movies. He was an expert at, you know, d d delivering good results in a hurry. Getting uh, it done. Yeah, those are the best done, books. But, but not phoning it in. Right, uh, right. And, yeah, he... Uh, he was an editor who was who replaced the director who was being fired, and he's never he never stopped. That's from 1937, I think. He never stopped uh, directing um, then until well, uh, sometime in the 70s, I think. Uh, uh, anyway, those books uh, read uh, like adventure novels to me. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I, 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 that fascinates me. Well, so. uh, I, I hope that's what Adventures in the B Movie Trade will read. Uh, a somewhat sort of uh, ironic look of a career that was not illustrious, but mm. lots of fun. Um, uh, I, maybe think, made... I think that, that people recognize your greatness now, Brian. <laughs> I really, no, seriously, I really do. People, people are coming back to your films and realizing that the, that the style and the artistry that's in them. Well, you know, I suppose as people became more cine literate, mm -hmm. uh, they recognized that you know, low budget work is harder than high budget work. And if you can still, you know, entertain an audience with 
you know, a budget best described as the, the smell of an oily rag, uh, then um, you, you know, you're doing well. But uh, the main, I mean, people don't, you know, necessarily want to pay money to see a film where they think, well, he tried hard. Um, uh, I think they, they want to be entertained. And maybe of my 42 long forms, uh, I, I, I'm reasonably pleased with about, uh, you know, 15 of them. Uh, and I think five or six of them have achieved uh, cult status. Mm-hmm. And, when, and maybe in the fullness of time, uh, a couple of others will. Um, I mean, the Panther pictures are now, you know, they're now up there. They're recognized for their you know, glorious campiness uh, mm. and their celebration of 80s cliches. Uh, mm. And uh, um, we'll see. And I think maybe some people will will kind of like Drive Hard uh, at the end of the day. They'll, they'll, they'll find its inherent misogynism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, I, I just let the... The, the, I let the actors express themselves in a number of ways off script uh, uh, and included it um, uh, because I thought, well, that that's that makes the picture a little bit more interesting. I think it's a little less of a cookie cutter film when uh, mm-hmm. uh, letting Cusack and Jane riff in their various areas, riff when Jane about marriage and uh, Cusack about politics. Um, so anyway, there you go. Um, well, look, thanks, guys. Thanks for your attention. Uh, and uh, Thank you. It's, uh, it is a pleasure. I, I, uh, I'd love to go out and you know, spend that $500,000 shooting somewhere <laughs> right now. And I'll grab my phone. It's, and it's I'll, yours, my well, friend. As, as soon as we get it, yeah, we're calling you up. <laughs> okay. We got, we well, got, Junior and I are planning things. <laughs> okay. Well, thank uh, you. And, uh, you know, right. America, stay safe. Uh, and hopefully we'll all soon go to the movies and we'll all live in a more just uh, uh, society. In, okay. in the meantime, keep all those deer and raccoon videos coming. I, I love watching them. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I, well, I grew up how... in the northern New York and the, the layout in, in the country, and it's very much physically, it reminds me of where I grew up and where we had wildlife running around in our backyard, mm-hmm. and I'd love to watch it. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, living am- amongst Douglas firs 200 feet high is quite, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, you really, you, you, the air is so clean, the water from the well is so clean, and so it's, so, it, yeah, yeah. It, it is. Well uh, water. I yes. miss well water. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, and it's, it's always uh, good to see viral, see somebody's Facebook videos with solid camera work too <laughs> well i i try i, I you know, started life with a three lens you know, rotating turret clockwork wind 16 millimeter bell and howl so um i go back to the stone age uh but uh, uh so operating you know the uh you know, the cell phone you know I'm, i've become reasonably adept at, at being smooth uh yes yeah nice Uh, pans yeah nice pans and (laughs) well i you know i love to track more than the pan provided Mm -hmm. you have really interesting foreground verticals to to cruise past um but you know it's it's always the challenge between sort of uh knowing where to put your foot next without looking uh, yeah because you're trying to keep the animal in the center of the frame 
and you're also trying to execute a camera movement at the same time. Uh, so uh, it's my, my it's my sort of personal challenge, like playing golf with uh, against yourself, is uh, to you know every time I shoot one of these videos, you know, or find myself, oh, there's a there's a doe over there. Can I get uh, to this? Can I get to this flower in foreground, and then can I move yep. past the flower? And rack focus to the to the dough. Uh, well, that, well, your work the... is appreciated <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, my, my my first film teacher called called what most people, you know, he's like, you know, there's there's filming stuff, but people who aren't filmmakers, their their style, he called it hosing down the world. And <laughs> I'm just used to seeing people's videos where they're just swinging their camera around, just spraying it all down, and yeah. I love it. <laughs> and can I end with one last plug, which is yes. actually for um, music that is, I don't know whether you're into ambient music, mm -hmm. it can be very soothing, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, um, but my son composes ambient music and he, pay, he has, his label is on Bandcamp, and if you go to Earth Doom Prophecy, on Bandcamp, he's just published an album of eight pieces, and some of them are soothing and some of them are jangling. Uh, but he has a, an amazing box of tricks that uh, um, where he has multiple plugs and, and chords and whatever. And he, he records these things live in one take, having sort of worked on them a bit. Uh, so take a listen to Earth Doom Prophecy and see whether you like uh, uh, Squirrel Break Core or... Uh, um, uh, <laughs> Ennio Morricone meets Philip Glass um, mm -hmm. and various other things that he's done. Um, but um, obviously parental pride uh, enters into it. But I think his stuff is quite good. And he's he's just, you know, he's just built this machine from scratch, uh, uh, taught himself everything off the Internet and built it out of used parts from reverb. Uh, and uh, with headphones on, it's quite enveloping, shall we say that. And it's it not it's not to everyone's taste ambient music, but there there seems to be yeah, a lot of people who like it out there. Anyway, that's it. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it, and I look You're forward to more than welcome. You, you have again. an open door here. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your time. It was a pleasure. Bye bye. Bye bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. 
you can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Wouldn't some hot buttered popcorn hit the spot right now? Extra fluffy, extra big kernels of it popped to perfection. Then drenched with the golden goodness of pure sweet creamery butter. Can't you just taste it? We heap the container extra high, but <laughs> you better buy two more for the rest of the family. Piping hot golden buttered popcorn at the refreshment center right now.